Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, welcome back to another Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast presented by Zeal Cigars, zealcigars.com. Your number one place to find all of your cigar needs on the internet. And you can also go to cigarsoapbox.com. That is in business now. It's the new business I just launched with uh, three other business partners. And go over to cigarsoapbox.com. That is C-A-C-I-G-A-R-S-O-A-P-B-O-X.com. And uh, you can find more information uh, about uh, buying your soap dudes in a nice cigar box. So it's really nice and uh, really enjoying. Our first night was yes- yesterday, JB, our first night of sales. Okay. Yesterday, did really, yesterday. really well. Very, right. very excited about it. And uh, so got a couple more left to go around so you guys can be sure to get your uh, soap. You know, this is the best soap in the entire world. You've used it. I've it's used really it. Good. It's really good. It's it's the best soap in the entire world. So everybody uses soap. Not everybody smokes cigars. But we know that everybody listens to this podcast. So with that said, we're definitely going to get into one today. And this podcast, just so you guys know, I'm going to put a kind of a disclaimer or a warning before this podcast. We're talking about something that we don't take lightly, but it's a serious subject. And it's something that um, some of you guys might have a hard time listening to, to be quite honest with you. So uh, we're talking about, is there ever a time that a man is okay to kill another man? So that that's, that's really what we're talking about today. And to be quite frank, um, or to be quite Bradley, uh, I'm a tad uncomfortable with this, but there's been several times that people have asked me this question, both as a pastor, whether it was soldiers going off to war or it was, uh, you know, um, uh, somebody who had committed an atrocity wondering if God had forgiven them or anything like that. That's been a, a big issue, you know, uh, for me and, and just trying to deal with um, uh, counseling people on, on you know, their uh, their old school, not their old school, but their their thoughts on uh, a death and, and everything else like that. So uh, we'll be talking about, is there ever time for it's okay for a man to kill another man? So uh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. But J- Jamie and I chatted about this uh, ahead of time. And uh, I think that one of the, the craziest things in the entire world um, is to uh, discuss that. But uh, what I'd like to do really quick is actually pause and bring in a mystery guest that JB doesn't even know about and bring him in to talk about this. So, if you can uh, just hang in with me for one second, I'm going to pause it. Jamie, I'm going to ask you to pause the, the audio, and we're going to bring him in in just one second. So I got I got that mystery guest with me today. He didn't know that he was going to be on here, and JB didn't know he was going to be on here. I was hoping he'd be on here. And so I have, again, Pastor Nick Quint from California. Nick, say hi to the people if you can. Hi to the people if I can. I can. What's good, everybody? <laughs> you, you brought a California guy in to talk I about to this in, topic? He's, he's, not, he's not officially a California guy. He's a okay. friend of ours. Okay. So okay. We're gonna I'm him. only California because your people in Arizona don't call me back for jobs. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's, that's true. You did you did kind of get the shaft on that, bro. You did, but that's okay, man. We're going we're gonna, to we'll plan a church next, here, next to us right here. I'll we'll make you the pastor so we can go there. You better not yeah. say that, dude, because then you're going to have to do it. Because there's too many people that already yeah, yeah, wanted you to do arm. that. Twist yeah, twist my arm. Twist my arm. Twist my arm to get down here in uh, <laughs> beautiful Arizona. Arizona is nice right now, Nick, believe it or not. It's beautiful outside. It's on my watch. Dude, I've been out there for spring training in March and February. Oh, my gosh. Best place on the planet. Oh, uh, thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Well, we're talking I, – I wanted to prep the people, and I want to get another pastor in here because um, I love you, buddy. You know that. And I, uh, and I also really respect what you have to say, and you bring a lot of wisdom and insight into some things that we're talking about. And so, um, you know, this, uh, some, many people have asked me both as a pastor and as, uh, just as a Christian and whether it be young men going off to war or a dad that's really frustrated because his, you know, his daughter was literally murdered or anything like that. When is it okay for a man to kill another man? And I I came up with five reasons that I, that I hear about, but I want to discuss them live because, you know, our, our, our podcast here, the cut light and smoke podcast, uh, is is about men, masculinity, and cigars. And this is something that if you're a man, we hope it never has to come to this, but it it might have to come to it one day where you're you're crossed with this question, man. I want to, you know, I don't mean this metaphorically, man. I want to kill that guy, which is not good at all. But um, it, you literally may have to act in a certain way. And so I want to go over this with you, and I want to talk about it with JB as well, uh, who's here. And I wanted to get you in here because I just I, I love your I love your wisdom and insight on this kind of stuff. And uh, and covet it. So if you can, if you can take us, if you if you can if you can go with a ride with us, I'd love it. Well, I'm in the car. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Beep beep. All right. So uh, JB, tell me the first one that is is probably the most common that you uh, know when it's, when when it would be uh, plausible or okay or admissible for 
a man to kill another man. Yeah, I think the I think the easiest one for most people is going to be when you're defending your own life. <clears throat> right, right, right. I don't know why I got all uh, clammy on that one, but yeah, when you're defending your own life, right, whether it be, you know, uh, somebody comes up and tries to rob you, whether it be somebody's, you know, starts beating you up, you know, I, I don't know the situation, but there there are situations where you have to defend yourself, and that might be. That might be the only way that you can defend yourself or, or uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. There's some people that I've met in my life, especially people on certain types of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter how many times you, you hit them or how many times you beat them down. They're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, there are times in defending yourself, I think, that y- you may end up having to, to do that. Okay. What say you, Nick? Uh, in terms of self-defense, I, I, I don't have a problem with that theologically. Um, I, I think there is a sense of... Uh, I, I think the issue when, when we're talking about this is the root problem is, of course, sin, right? And yeah, sin has this kind of corrosive power that kind of, kind of, it's in our blood. We'll just say that, right? So we of can course, all kind of get yeah. behind that. This, it's in our blood. And so I, I'm hesitant not because I disagree, but I'm hesitant to give license to that because it, that might give guys kind of a sense of, well, my life was threatened. And it's like, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but we need to be very careful before we just give broad, you know, kind of, uh, advice for situations. But th- just making that point, um, I think to preserve life is probably the noblest goal you can do. And in a situation like that, I, I mean, personally, theological, I don't have a problem defending myself right, and, right. and doing what is needed. And I, and I, and I'm very careful with that, what is needed versus what I feel, you know, because very quickly, I think in that situation, you know, instead of defense, it can turn into revenge in an instant. Mm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I know, I know that's that. Right. And that's why I'm kind of careful. want to be careful about giving a, a definitive yes, because right. the human heart, as I said, is increasingly wicked and it can easily turn into from defense to revenge. And that line is very, very murky for me. Yes. I, I would agree with you a hundred percent, man, that, that, you know, if, if by all means, and I, I, I think I saw this, I saw, I saw Jacko Williams say this at one point or wake uh, what, Jacko, what's the last name? Uh, former Navy, the big Navy SEAL dude. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he was talking about, uh, you know, if somebody stepped up to him in a bar, what do you do? He said he walk away. He walk away immediately because you. First off, if you get in a fist fight, I mean, you've got lawsuits you, right there. And well, not only that, you, know, you could accidentally kill yeah, somebody. Yeah, and he could. I mean, he's a former Navy right. SEAL, right? So, yep. I mean, that's that's one of those things that we like to all pretend like we, you know, we could, but the reality is we probably wouldn't. You yeah. Know? And the, uh, you know, when it when it comes down to it. Um, he says, I won't walk away. Plus I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. I mean, no, nobody, nobody that's of right in mind and, and is grown up, um, wants to hurt another human being intrinsically, meaning like we, we all wrestle against the, the flesh and blood. We understand that Nick, and we understand that the sinful nature is prominent and preeminent in some of us. Uh, but in the, and the reality is, you know, when you're of sane mind, you know, in body and, you know, obviously even following the Lord, you don't, you don't wish harm to another human being. And so Jacko was talking about that and he was saying, you know, Hey, look, I, I, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to run away and get away. That's how I'm both going to preserve my life, your life and not getting any kind of frivolous lawsuits or anything else like that. So yeah. uh, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I, I, I just, so you know about that. So, um, but when it comes to defending one's lo- own life and to be in a life threatening situation, I don't know if you've ever been in a life threatening situation. I've been in about three in my life, just about three. Um, that was life threatening where, Another man was threatening my life and to take my life. Um, so I've, I've had I've had about three of those instances, uh, and I'd say two of them were were you know iffy, meaning like uh, he was definitely threatening me. Could he have taken my life? Absolutely. Was he threatening to take my life? I'm not sure. One of them definitely was taking my life. You know, um, so or was threatening to take my life. So it was a very different thing. So, I- I- anyways, in in that regard, um, I would say that one is is valid for taking another one's life to preserve your life, you know, in the sense of you have no other option. You know, there's there's no other there's no other option. It's it, it's kill or be killed, you know, in, in that in that sense, you know, in that regard. And so uh when it's okay. And I, I and, and keep this in mind, this is this is coming off the heels of of whoa, there we go. Uh of of our of our whole culture that is uh, immensely uh, immersed in Hollywood, where they they make taking of the human life just very fr- frivolous. 
Like it's no big deal. It's, yeah. it's not a big deal. And that's not true. And and if you and if you've had a loved one die or you've had uh, someone violently taking from you, it is not true whatsoever. It's it's messy. It's horrible. It's disrupting of one's life. Um, so it's it's one of those things that we want to we want to chat about and talk about and uh, make make clear for men, you know, in particular on where we stand with that, where we think the rest of the culture actually uh, should get get behind everybody and, and stand for that as well. So anything in addition to that point? Nick, are you still there? I think I lost Nick. There we go. Sorry about that. I had myself, no. on. I had myself on mute. My bad. There we go. He had a cell phone. Uh, go ahead. No, not really. Uh, I, I think um, the only thing I – maybe the language is, is it right versus is it permissible? Because there is going – there are That's a better word. That's a better word. You know what I mean? Permissible like, is a better word, yes. Yeah. It, it's like it at least acknowledges that sin is at the root heart of all of this, and it, and it basically says, I'll have to give an account for this later. You know what I mean? Right, right. And right. the Lord will see – you know, as a Christian, you know, the Lord will see into my heart and will mm-hmm. straight up. You know, hey, you may have thought that was this, but you could have done this in this instance and done it this way without doing that. And that, you know, but I'm not saying it would, but the Lord sees everything. And that's one of those where I'm like permissible versus, you know, you know, is it morally right? It's like morally right is a little more vague just on that front. Right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. So number two, number two is number number two is what, Justin? I think that extends not only defending yourself, but also defending your family. Yeah, you're, 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 you're immediate family and I'll go because I'm from uh you know the the Kentucky Cincinnati the Cincinnati Kentucky borderline there uh I'll say does it does it fall into your um extended family as well so when you're defending your family so let's say that I mean here here's the here's the scenario right here's a scenario um and I'll paint you the scenario here so there's no you know if hands go are ahead right, Bob Ross what I'm asking yeah <laughs> um a guy's banging on your door trying to get in your house and your family's terrified at night and it's up to you uh, to defend your family at that point. And the guy's not leaving. He has a gun and he's trying to get into your home, you know, at that point. And the police are 15 minutes away. At least here in Phoenix, that's the average. It was a, was it 15? Four, yeah, right. Yeah. 14, 14, 14, 52, I think is the actual police response. Probably like 25 to 30. Yeah. Depending, you know, so, uh, I don't know if you know this. I don't know what, what it's like in you know we're at in California, but uh, in Phoenix we have like uh, a little under a thousand police officers for 1.4 million in Phoenix Metro. So it's you can do the math on that and just say you know it's going to be a minute before they get there. Well, because um, California loves police so much, I'm pretty sure most of the officers here went out to Phoenix instead. Right, so right. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Uh, uh, so here's here's the uh, here's the scenario. So in that scenario. Um, the guy's coming in to kill you or a member of your family. I would say being permissible in that, in that regard. Yes. Uh, is it traumatic? Is it awful and everything else? It's everything that you would think it would be. It still is awful. It still is terrible. Or let's say you pull into a shopping center and you and your wife go into different stores. And while your wife is coming out of the store, while you're coming out of that store, somebody tries to abduct her, abduct her. Correct. Correct. That that would be another. Yeah, that that that's another scenario yeah. to where you it's your or wife. your kid or your. Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. Somebody tries to pick up your kid and run with him. Right. Right. This is going on especially in Europe a lot right oh, now. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, Phoenix is number one. Snatching number, grabs, bro. Yeah, Phoenix is the number one. Um, sex trafficking. Sex trafficking and kidnapping capital of the United States. Is it really? Yes, it is. Yeah. Go look. Mm. I heard Houston was pretty close up there too. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Most well, definitely. border states, they all make sense. Right. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, absolutely. and with the so, loose loose border right now, it's easy to move people across. So, Nick, give me your give me your uh, give me your theology or your best shot on that one as well. Well, it's one of those things that uh, just a little bit of my background. I when I was in seminary, I I was convinced of pacifism, you know, Christian nonviolence and all that. Okay. And um, ever since I became a parent, that it's not that I gave that up, but that I really had to kind of look myself in the mirror for that. Mm. Um. Because it's one of those things, and I and I, I maybe it's a self-hating Christian pacifism as the idea, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, it it, it it's not a it's to me I'm, I, for theology, I'm big on consistency. Am I consistent as much as I can be across the board? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I said it's not very pacifistic to call the cops to come deal with the person trying to kill me so they can kill them. That's basically just passing the buck. You know what I mean? And correct, interesting. I, I kind of just I kind of bucked at that, you know. Huh. Um, and so I, I, 
I, I view the idea as in an ideal world, of course, there wouldn't be violence. And the church should be a place that eschews violence. But the church also has to be a place of refuge for the oppressed and the broken and all that sort of stuff, which means sometimes the church needs to have, you know, strong people leading it, you know, that stand up against all of that. Absolutely. And so it's one of those where I think theologically, I don't have much of an issue with it. Um, I think, again, it, it just boils down to, am I defending? And that's it. Meaning, do I show mercy and let this person leave? You know, if they realize or have a come to Jesus moment, staring <laughs> down the barrel of a two gauge, you know, a twelve gauge, you know, and do, do I give them the chance to leave, or do I act as judge, jury, and executioner? Which I do think the New Testament explicitly rules out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why, in every situation, I'm like, I'm willing to give a lot of nuance and context, um, or at least in this situation, because at the end of the day, um, there, there's just a lot that happens so quickly. And I, I've not been in these situations, but I, I've counseled people that have been. And they're basically like, I don't remember much of what happened. Everything feels like, you know, two hours compressed in 10 minutes when I think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you deal with the trauma of all that. Um, but in terms of defense, the, the, the one thing I think a family is required to do is to stand up for, you know, people that are most, most vulnerable, usually women and children. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... For me, you know, as a dad, um, my first thought would be get my parents to, or get my parents, get my, my wife and child to safety. And then if I have to do something, then I'll do it. Right, right, but, right. But just being aware that this um, this desire for protection shouldn't be a cover for vengeance or desire for bloodshed or getting mine or making it a- ab- Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the that's the biggest thing we're talking about is that this, this desire for vengeance or bloodshed is a uh, is a wrong thing. You know, you don't want vengeance. You know, in that regard, because I mean, as as Christian theologians, we're we're both we believe that vengeance is God's, you know, and that we need to you know um, leave that to Him, you know. Okay, so number three, what would be the third reason we said, JB? Um, I think like uh, if if the courts decided that somebody deserved the death penalty. So, Dick, what do you think about the death penalty? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I find the death penalty a lot more difficult to swallow. Um, mm, just, mm. okay. Just given, just given the, what I know of early Christian, you know, church history and stuff like that and the new Testament. Okay. Um, I, it's not that I'm, I have a moral, like, you know, like an intrinsic, like, ew, you know, no kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, about it. But I, I find it very difficult to read the new Testament and early Christian literature and give the state that sort of priority in my mind. Um, you mean without giving them a chance to like to 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 repent and 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 change? Well, like not, reform, not necessarily essentially? that. That's, that's 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 part of it, but it's more of an issue of uh, how much should a Christian be involved in play Caesar's games? Mm. You know, oh, the idea of okay. voting. Okay. The the idea of voting, right? You know, Paul, John, whoever wrote Hebrews, you know, Gospel of Mark, all that none of them ever conceived of a time where Christians would have the right to vote in a democratic election. <laughs> right. That's true. None of them yeah, ever that. Yeah. And all the Christians in, in the new Testament, you know, the, let's say from writing from the time of 60 to, to hundred, maybe, you know, you know, the 60 CE and all that, mm-hmm. none of them ever believed that they'd have any political representation ever huh. because every new Testament document is writ- written um, from the perspective of the oppressed, the downtrodden, the broken people of no status, or it, it, some instances, some status, but 99% of the Christians are, you know, people of no status. That's the whole point of a lot of the writings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, sure. I view the, the state and the New Testament, um, or at least the church, you know, the body of Christ, as fundamental or fundamentally at odds with one another. Um, and that's why, you know, for example, you take the idea of Jesus, you know, whose, whose image is on the coin, right? In Mark's gospel, you know, when they're coming to him asking about taxes mm-hmm. and they're asking him, you know, what, you know, who's in it? And he basically goes, well, whose image is on the coin? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it's Caesar's. And because, you know, you have all this fun stuff on ancient Roman coins. Some of them are attribute divinity and deity, you know, so even the currency of the Roman world, uh, occupied Roman lands was fundamentally Roman, yes. you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And the Jesus basically goes, Caesar can have his coin, but the issue is all things belong to God. Yes. implying mm-hmm. that Caesar's sovereignty not only is limited, but he's actually subordinate to 
the kingdom, the coming kingdom. Right. At best, he's a pawn. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, at the end of the day, I look at that and go, I'm not opposed to the death penalty as a principle. I just think the Christian church and the, and the entire political realm are fundamentally at odds, and I simply don't trust Caesar with any sort of power over human life. The only thing the government, in my mind, can actually do is kill people. That's mm-hmm. literally what the government does. The problem is without righteousness and justice and mercy and kindness and you know holiness, you have not you have raw power, and raw power is something to be fair, but it's not worthy of worship and it's not worthy of allegiance. And that is why the kingdom of God, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew and Paul, is utterly opposed to all the principalities and powers in the world. And so, for me, the question just is: it's difficult. Because I, I think the early church would have been probably against the death penalty because they looked at Caesar as a corrupt, despotic dictator. And they go, of course he's not just because he's doing all these things. He's putting us to death, you know. But again, we live in, in this, this world at this age. And I, I kind of go, I, I just, I don't know. Um, all I know is the New Testament seems very wary of political power and how political power corrupts people, especially wealth in the book of James and other, other texts. Oh, That's probably my, yeah. my, my thought. Um, I could be pushed either way. Uh, at the end of the day, I just plead a hopeful agnosticism on the question, not because I don't want to answer it, <laughs> but because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want a theocracy, but I also don't trust the state because the state basically killed Jesus. You know? <laughs> so I kind of go, I, I don't know. So let me, and it's something I'm still flushing out. I mean, they were also supposed to kill him, though. But uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, Jesus got the death penalty, so it's like you know, I'm not particularly yeah. thrilled that they killed killed my lord. But yeah, I also I, know that it had to happen. Yeah, that's that. That's a conundrum for a Christian, isn't it? Like we knew that Jesus, we knew that Jesus was on a mission to die, and we also know the state the state killed him. You know, and and, and one of his own yeah. followers turned him over to him. Oh yeah, well, I mean, Judas is you know. Yeah, no. Judas is in hell, in hell burning, so I'm okay with that. Um, the, so here, here's my here's my question, you know, a, as a result of that. So in this day and age, you know, if you were to if you were to lean, if you give me a percentage, pro death penalty, non death penalty, where would you put? Would you put 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30? How would you do it? Like um, like his belief. Yep, his belief. I, honestly, it's about a 50-50 for me. Okay. Um, That's fair. That's someone fair. could, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I make a point of saying I'm pretty open to having my mind changed on a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, the the pacifist arguments from the early church, I'm like, I think are, are helpful. You know, the, the, you know, the non-violence guy, you know, the Mennonites and all of them, the Anabaptists. The <laughs> problem is, of course, they, they're the same people that will condemn all this sort of stuff, but then call the police when they get robbed. And the police will come and beat the guy up. So, right. yeah. Um, I just... <laughs> I just wish hypocrisy is a big deal there. I, I just want I want to confront you about something real quick, man. I mean, I just wish I wish you were a better father and your son was more happy. He doesn't sound happy enough. And I'm, I'm oh pretty, yeah, I'm he's pretty just, upset yeah, about just, that. He's so, just the worst. With that. Dude, Nugs gets all the love, dude. Yeah, he's a Nugs he's a gets kid, all man. the love. Well, Nick's a great man. So like, so, yeah. When I think about the death penalty, man, I think about like the Parkland shooter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. he didn't get the death penalty. They gave him life in prison. Right. Right. That's the state. And thing, I, though. And I think about thing, like, should that kid have gotten the death penalty? Yes. <laughs> Woo-hoo. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what agree. Nugs thinks, bro, but that sounds like uh, Nugs said uh, Nug, that, Nugs that sounds agrees. like a yeah, bro. I, I do. I do think that, you know, in that, <laughs> Thanks, in, that in that degree, you know, of of tragedy and so on and so forth, you've taken so many different lives and. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm barring the fact that there's so many people talk about like, you know, conspiracy theories and everything else like that. I'm just being yeah. honest. If it's, if it's, is, if it is what it is a hundred percent, he deserves, deserves a death penalty. So it, it, it's, it's a little more cut and drive me. And I don't know if you know this or not. Um, uh, Nick, if I don't know if you knew that I was, uh, the, the church plant that I do, that I two church plants that I planted were all planted through almost, a, uh, it was originally a Mennonite church planning organization so if you know anything about the Mennonites, oh really yeah if you know anything about the Mennonites they're pacifists you know very much so so. yeah so they they broke off of that and so they became more just evangelical if you would so it's really interesting and I'm using fancy terms that if you guys don't know what that means you know we'll 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 explain later but um or look it up you can you can you can see it there so um 
<laughs> What's Wolf the, say? Ron uh, Wolfley? Google it. Yeah, it's Basinodians who Google it. Google it, Basinodians. Uh, so here, Wikipedia that. Yeah, here, <laughs> here's my next one. So here's the here's the fourth one that we're getting. Now we're getting to some ones that we're kind of like, we're kind of iffy on. So the the fourth reason that some, that a man would be able to kill another man would be what, JB? Well, I heard you guys kind of talking about this while I was I had to step away for a second to help a customer, and I heard you guys kind of lightly talking about this, but mm-hmm. it was um it was war. Yes, yes, war. So it, it, I'll, I'll tell you this: as as a pastor, I've been asked by many many young men and several young men that both I've mentored, uh, help help raise spiritually. If you well, would. yeah, like how does a how does a Christian kid raised up right. decide to go to the military right. knowing that his job could potentially be to kill people? Correct. Um. Uh, and and I, I'm reminded of uh, a guy I know named Nate, okay, who uh, became a, a sniper over in Afghanistan, um, and uh, that was his job, to kill people, literally, to kill terror. Yeah, kill when people you're a sniper, bro, yeah. that is your job. Yeah, 100%. Um, so and he, and he, and he, before he went there, he asked me what I thought about it, and before, um, uh, and when he came back, he asked me about it as well. So, but before I tell you what I think, I want to hear what both you think, and then I want to hear what Nick thinks. So, JB, what are your thoughts on that? I, that's a hard one, man. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard one, right? Because when you think about, like, who you serve as a human being, right. you think about, do I, okay, do I serve God, right? Do I serve God first? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, do I serve my country? Like, you know, so you're starting to think about, like, how do I label this stuff, right? And and then you think about like, okay, this this president says that I, I need to go protect my country, mm-hmm. but is it is it God's will that I protect my country in this way? I don't know, man. That's a really hard, you know. It's one of the reasons I never joined the military, right? I didn't want to have to think about that stuff, right? Right, like, right. Um, but uh, that that's a hard thing to to come across because I think I think the big thing is is. Like, I think that was a big thing with, like, the Korean War and the Vietnam War is, like, mm-hmm. why are we over here killing these people? Are we really killing these people for a legitimate reason? Versus, right. like, well, not if you don't think 9-11 was a conspiracy theory and you think that they actually did that, then then, right, right, right. then Operation Iraqi Freedom was, mm-hmm. was us going in and, and you know. Well, but I'll, then that's I'll, almost like a revenge, even like Nick was saying earlier. Like, was that a revenge well, on l- that? Let me, let me say this. This is, this is the weird thing. Whether, whether you... N- See, here's the thing. I don't think many people give credence to that when they're thinking about going in the military. They're not yeah. Through, they're just they're just being told this is what happened. This is what you need to do to defend our country. We need, we need more young men to sign up. Right. And so the guys that go in there, are they held accountable for the triggers they pull? I don't you know, know, man. So I would say no. I would say no. I really would. I would say that the, they're not necessarily held accountable to the triggers they pull by nature of the fact that somebody else is manipulating them to pull the triggers. You know, so I mean, if 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 it's all conspiracy, right? Okay, then somebody else is manipulating them to pull the trigger, and they're just the trigger men. That's all they're doing. So, um, in that regard, but I don't. I, I, let me just say this: these are young men that are that are in an army, navy, air force, marines that are that that care about our country and that want to defend our country from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And so they're just being they're following orders. And at that point, when you're when you're a Marine in particular, you know, or yeah, but Army is, or it, you're but just, is following orders from somebody that's not God okay? Yes. Okay. I, I would I would definitely say yes. Because you, you see that there's rank and file in scripture. You see rank and file where I mean you even see, you see Paul giving orders to certain people to, to do certain things. So there's obviously rank and file in scripture. There's obviously rank and file in our world. That's how we keep order. Okay. So everything's aren't if, if things aren't anarchy. So that's why it also that's why it also says that not many of you should presume to be teachers because you'll be judged more harshly. Mm. So teachers, people who presume to be teachers, I would be one of those people. Uh, Nick would be another person that presumed to be teachers or pastors or or elders or you know prophets or whatever we want to call it. Um, what ends up happening is we fall under a harsher penalty. That's why more people judge me on the things that I say than the average person because both they know as a pastor. And they know Nick's a pastor, and they know that you know as a Christian you get judged more harshly. I heard that too. I don't know what that was. So, um, you know, in, in that in that regard, it, it's important to uh, to think through that. Nick, what say you? Nick, are you still there? Nick hung up. Oh goodness gracious, we we lost Nick. I didn't even know that, dude. I we're know. just rambling on, dude. And he's we just, just are, like yeah. he's like the heck with you guys, bro. I know. We're calling Nick back. We're gonna call back Nick back. Hello. 
New no. phone, who it is? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. My phone was just literally yeah. sitting there and it just had to turn off. Can I talk to you about your uh, car warranty, sir? Can I talk about your car warranty? <laughs> I'm pretty certain that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, was getting called by Greco Roman telemarketers. Excuse me, is your camel under warranty? But, uh, so, so let me, uh, I hope the knife slips, buddy. I don't know where we lost you, um, but. Here- uh, JB was talking about uh, the mil- basically how difficult it was for him in 9 11 being possibly for revenge and stuff like that. Then, then it basically, the call died. So whether when- it was y'all or me, I don't know. So when young men come and ask you about going in the military, what do you, what's your advice to them, Nick? Pastor Nick. Uh, I, that one is a little, uh, you know, I've been, I, I, in some instances, I think it's permissible. And, and these, the question of serving in the military, I, I, that is, I do find it. And this is coming from someone who is uh, very pro-military, a lot of veterans in my family, mm-hmm. you know, all about respect for them, you know, supporting them. Like, I get it. For me, I, I find for a Christian, uh, if he or she's going into the military, um, what, let's just by military, I mean going into a combat role, right? So let's say, yeah, moving, com- you know, let's say all, combat role, yeah, infantry, you know, demolition. You, you like will that. be guaranteed yeah, to yeah, probably you, you'll, you'll see you'll yeah, be in the position quicker. to potentially take somebody's life. Correct, correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I I think of because I'm thinking of the story of um, of Hacksaw Ridge. Okay. With the uh, right. with the gentleman who basically said, I, I can't carry a gun and I'm not going to kill someone, you know, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, he was the and, medic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think and men, I think Christians should be serving in that capacity in the military. Um, I can't think of anything holier than that, to be honest with you. Or chaplains. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like I, okay. I think of MASH and I think uh, of uh, the chaplain in MASH. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Father and, and I think that is, I, I consider chaplaincy in the military. Then I realized, you know what? I, I have a two-year-old. I don't want to be away from him. No. No, I don't. I don't want to put myself in that situation. You know, right? right okay. Um, but as younger men, I'm, I'm glad I've considered it. But I think I think carrying a gun, and I'm using the, the the term Caesar very intentionally, carrying a gun on behalf of Caesar, I find very difficult to substantiate from what I see of the New Testament and early Christianity teaching. Um, the idea, and and this is coming from someone who is. You know, very much. I love my country. I, uh, you know, I, I'm big on you know supporting people. I'm big on all that. Like, I didn't vote a lot in the past few years, um, but I have never voted for a certain political party, and I was raised in very conservative. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't have that kind of attitude. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But I think a Christian carrying a weapon under Caesar is very just difficult for me to accept. Now, um, would I treat someone as other or diminish them or you know? be rude you know never you know at the end of the day i'm a baptist at heart do what your conscience you know commands you to do you know what i mean i'm big on that but i would encourage people i think um i i would really encourage people to reconsider that because i i think you know we take jesus you know be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect turn the other cheek all the just all the sorts of commands in scripture and i i find it very difficult to claim that jesus is king over all that we do and then go and put on Caesar's weaponry and go fight in Caesar's war. Um, and, but I don't, again, at the end of the day, I'm looking at how the church engages in modern culture. And if the, the military becomes a place of unrighteousness, right? Because I'll, let's, say, let's say I'm right, right? So let's play a hypothetical. Let's say I'm right, that Christians at best should be skeptical of serving in the military or at worst shouldn't serve in combat roles, right? Let's mm-hmm. say I'm right. And they withdraw or we withdraw from that. Does that make the military better? And I'm talking myself around in a circle by saying it probably doesn't because if Christians stick to our moral ethics and our, our righteousness and our belief in mercy, we could impact the military in a very positive way and hopefully go through that, you know, transform and be a place of mercy and be a place of, uh, of righteousness. You know what I mean? Um, because if you if you remove ethics and remove the Christian conscience from these sorts of institutions, what's left? Yeah, I, I, and, think, I think that's and, and so you can see kind of the dilemma I, I'm kind of facing is I, I my instinct is to say no because mm-hmm. of what I think scripture says, but I'm also a Baptist and don't believe in ordering people around like that. You know, at the end of the day, I believe, you know, people's conscience is what should guide them. Well, obviously in the Holy Spirit, too. Like, I'm not saying that. Out I, I understand that. Y'all know that. And I, and I get that. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm a Christian before I'm an American, by the way. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. At the same time, being a son of a veteran, 
Um, and at the same time, being somebody who has counseled multiple, multiple, saying like in the 30s or 40s amount of people who have um, been in the military and come back with major PTSD. I mean, major PTSD. People that people have that they've, they've done very traumatic things in in the sense of because it's war and war. I mean, would you say all's fair in love and war? Keep that in mind. It's if you if you believe that, then it's atrocious. It's atrocious what we do, you know. And oh, war, yeah. it really is. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget, you know, um, counseling a young man who uh, who was in Afghanistan in. Uh, he had to go in and clear house. And when he went in and clear house, there was a gunman in, in there. And in there as well was a whole family, the gunman's whole family. So the gunman was keeping his family at bay, keeping the military out, and they had to clear the whole village for, for the military to come through. So when he go in there and he, and he shot everybody, every, men, men, women, and children, everybody. Everybody was killed. And so um, – coming back and having to deal with that, you know, we, we don't, we think about that during that time. You're like, yeah, I do what you got to do to clear the village. The, the problem with that is that sticks with you for the rest of your life because you killed somebody else that's made in the image of God, you know? And so he's trying to deal with that. And he's asking me to help them deal with that, you know, which is something that's so traumatic that I've never dealt with and that I could not begin to, uh, you know, disseminate in my wildest dreams, how that felt, you know, to, 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 to do that and to take a human life, much less a woman and a child, you know, as well. Oh, and that makes a very strong case why Christians, you know, we'll, we'll table the combat role element for a sec. That is why I think it's imper- imperative that Christians serve in those sorts of situations, the counseling, the chaplaincy, the medics, being people that are meant to, I mean, as, as Hacksaw Ridge said, um, well, if people are taking life, I'm going to be saving it. Right, right, and putting yourself in that situation. Um, and and to be to be fair, I've I've counseled other guys that have have saved life, you know, and have done many many different things. Both of their own countrymen, you know, who were form, you know, who are who are military, you know, on the on the same lines and saved lives, you know, in the midst of that. So, um, I think I might have a little differing view than you would on that because I'm, I am very very not I'm not pro war. I don't think any Christian would be pro war, um, but when it comes to defending one's nation and living under the king's rule um, and the king, you know, as, as Roman says, you know, um, uses a sword for a purpose. Now that's, that's talking about local government. That's not talking about necessarily war being made against other countries and what have you. Um, and I reckon, don't get me wrong, bro. I fully recognize what you mean when you say Caesar. I understand that in the biblical precedence. I also recognize that in the broader picture of where we're at today in our culture. You know, so um, and it, it's it's a very very difficult thing because I don't want to take away any honor from the young men that have served in the past, you know, or any men period that have served in the past, men or women that have no, served, 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 served in the past. Absolutely, hundred percent. And love our veterans, support you guys, come to Zill Cigars, love you to death, and you know you'll you'll be taken care of, obviously. Uh, but in the same right, when when you pull the trigger. And it's not going against a target, but it's going against a human. And it's in the name of your country and in the name of war. There's a certain amount of heaviness placed on the other side of the trigger, aiming down the sights. That isn't modern warfare. Isn't something that we're just playing a video game with. But it's severe and it's definite. Um, and it's and it's life ending. And that's I think something that you know um, bears the discussion that, well, we're, that we're talking about today. Go ahead, Justin. Two, two things come to mind that are really interesting about that. Like Nick kept saying, Nick keeps saying something that, that kept clicking in my mind, right? He said, well, since the New Testament, since the New Testament, right? Like mm-hmm. when you look at like Jericho, right? Like they went in and slaughtered people in Jericho. Men, women, and children, and beasts. Um, yeah. God was ruthless <laughs> in the Old Testament. He wasn't always ruthless, but there are times like that he Like Sodom was. and Gomorrah, he was ruthless, she turned around and uh, was yes. it Sarah? Huh? Was her name Sarah? No, that was Abraham's wife. Yeah, uh, what was Lot's, her name? Lot's wife. I don't think she's ever given a name. Was she? She Nick? It says uh, her name. Uh, I, I I have a name in mind, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to be wrong. Right. I don't think it was her name. I think she said Lot's wife. I don't think it was. But like, she turns name. back and turns to a pillar of salt. Like that's how serious that was. And I I think when we when we talk about the Old Testament too, we tend to think that you know if I if I if I were to quote quote every cultural idiom if you would, Nick, from our day and age where they say 
God was really pissed off at the Old Testament, smoked some weed between the Maccabean Wars, and then <laughs> basically chilled out and became a hippie in Jesus. And that's not what, true. What California that's, theology is that, bro? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? So, I mean, that, yeah. I hear that from people all the time, and I'm like, that's not true because there's there's multiple instances of God's grace all over multiple cultures. Oh, yeah, he stopped in, Abraham from literally slitting his son's throat. Right. I mean, well, not only that, but there's multiple other ways that he blessed other cultures outside of that through Israel, which is basically the early church, okay, in the Old Testament. So I think that that's one of the things that I that I, I think, by the way, you know you know when I say that, right, Nick? I split from the Reformers when I say that, right? I split from my oh, Reformers. Yeah. yeah, my Reformers are hating me because they hear that. Anybody is in Reformed theology heard me say that the Old Testament, I split from Reformers on that, they're going nuts and they're just sending me emails right now. Um, but so here, here's the reality. So when that happens... You know, you see God, instances of God's grace continually. But when things like that do happen, when things like that do happen and God's saying doing this, there's always a purpose and a plan. So if if if, if somebody, for example, um, when I coached varsity football, when I coached varsity football at Perry High School, there were coaches that were, I was a coach on the field, by the way. I was on the sidelines and I was coaching defensive line on the sidelines, right? There's also coaches in the box. The guys in the box What's could in the see. Box? I know, right? The guys in the box could see everything. The guys in the field can't. We can only see linear, right? We can only see what we see. But the guys in the box saw everything, so they're communicating with us on our headsets about things that we can't see. That's how. That's I call it. I, I call it the God view. The God view. The God view. I do I really do. So when you're up there and you can see the whole football field, you can see how everybody's moving and everything like that. You see what defensive and offenses are set up. You you have a God view of everything. And I think in history, God has a view of everything, so he knows the end from the beginning. And we know multiple times that when he told certain people to do certain things that we think is atrocious, God had a reason and a plan for it because when certain people escaped that, they came back and it haunted the early church in ways that were just terrible. Am I mm. wrong, Nick? I, I, I don't disagree, and I think that's largely right. I, right. I would push it back just a bit, um, not against you, but just give a bigger perspective than that. Of course you um, would, because you're in California. If, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's what we do. Expand your mind, bro. I from Mac. But I, I think, okay, it, it, big picture, right? So we take the big picture of the Bible. And, I, and Justin, I say New Testament because that's where my specialty is. I, I, I'm not a... Well, well you're, you're kind of right, though. That's, that's why I said that. Like, there's a lot about the New Testament that teaches about, you know, uh, Jesus dying and trying to, you know, help us, you know for those sins and things like that. There's a point that you have and you're, you're right in that. That's why I said that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but, but I, I think, so big picture, if we look back at creation, everything in Christian theology, our doctrine of God, our doctrine of Christ, our doctrine of, of everything uh, flows from, do you have the beginning rights? And when did things go wrong and how did they go wrong? Um, and this is just my perspective. I think one of the big things is if we look at creation, we see that creation was created good. It wasn't perfect. The Hebrew doesn't allow for perfect. It was good. It was what God wanted. And then God creates humanity, male and female, in his image and gives them the task of ruling over creation. Right? And they do. And then they mess up because, you know, that's what we do. Dude, Human beings don't dude, usually dude, do good they got deceived. I got to stop you, bro. I got to stop you. First, I never thought about that term. What? God made everything good, not perfect. Yeah. I did not. I never thought about that till just now. It never says perfect anywhere. But he will make everything new. Yes, and new is perfect. So that that, that exactly. that's a that's a different thing. Wow, Nick, you just blew my mind, bro. Where you been, bro? I never, well, th I never and, thought and about that. The big issue is God. God created everything. That's awesome. God, and here's the issue, and that's why I go back to creation when I'm when I even when I talk about these things, right? If you get Genesis wrong, I'm not talking about six day creation, how long everything took. To me, that's an irrelevant discussion. It is what is the purpose of what God did? What mm -hmm. did God do? And God created everything good, and he created humankind as his image, and the purpose of us was to essentially act as ambassadors and priests in his world. Right. We were to tend the garden and to cultivate and to grow and to, and to in some sense, sustain and rule over creation. Um, prophet prophet preaching kings, yes. Exactly. That's what we did together. Mm -hmm. And the issue was when we decided to act independently of one another, and, and that basically fractured that, and God expels us from the garden, and all on Cain. and on and on it goes. Cain, yeah. But the big issue, oh yeah, Nolan is happy right now, too, but I'm just theologizing. You want to walk out? But the issue then becomes, when we get stuff wrong, um, we really run the risk of missing out on, on what God's desires were in creation. God desired that creation would be 
uh, sustained by humankind that there'd be no death, no war, no none of this. And I think every Christian can agree with that. The intent of creation was never what we have now. Correct. Something went wrong. And so the issue then becomes, okay, Everyone how does God act that. in a world of violence? How does God act in a world that God doesn't want? You know, God, and that's why Jesus came. God didn't want this world in the way we, and what we've done with it. And so you have God basically invading the cosmos and Jesus Christ incarnated and all that sort of stuff. That's why Advent is a, an apocalyptic season. It's a season literally of God invading the cosmic order to take back what's rightfully his and to take it back from Satan and sin and death and all of that. And then you have this grand story of, of making all things new, new creation, new heavens, new earth, on and on it goes. Mm-hmm. And we as the church and as society are stuck after incarnation and before restoration and judgment. And then, therefore, the question of the Old Testament and violence comes is God uh, withheld judgment for so long with these folks. Uh, one of the key themes is God's patience in the Old Testament. Forever I have held off my judgment. I have held the dam back of your sins. I have held back the tsunami that's coming, waiting for you to repent. And often nations did, like, say, Nineveh, right? And you have all these things. But then some days God just went, you know what? I'm done, and unleashes everything he withheld to protect humankind and lets our sins basically have at it with us. And that's why you have all these wars and you know, violence in the Old Testament and some, some in the New Testament. And that is where we kind of live. And the whole point of the church and the whole point of the questions we're asking is, to what extent are we capable of living Christ-like in a world that is not Christ-like? And that's why I think for us, you know, in this conversation, it's not that it's an easy 100% yes or 100% no. It's rather, to what extent do we play in Caesar's palace in order to subvert Caesar or to bring people into redemption or to give new life to people? And sometimes that may mean, you know, acting in the military in combat situations. I'm not ruling that out 100%. I just find it personally very difficult. Um, And what I think is not necessarily what should be done. I want to make that clear. Um, But that big story of where we live and find ourselves in God's story means that at best, we are talking about the nuances of how we serve God in God's world and to what extent we are willing to do things that um, were never God's intended desire for creation, and yet God can still use those things for God, uh, for his own glory and for bringing all things new. But it's a big story, and it's a big question that, at the end of the day, the church has wrestled with for 2,000 years. How much weight do we give Caesar, and you know, how, much, how, how are we to live in Caesar's world? And that world is being undone, as we, of course, know that Jesus is coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end, as the great creed says. So I don't know if that helps just get kind of a big picture of things and where we find ourselves, mm. and hence why we're not disagreeing. At least I don't think we are. No, we're, no, we're basically not, we're not tracking right. the nuances of, of a very, yeah. very big conversation. Again, again, I want to reiterate: nobody, n- none of us are wanting the death of mankind. None of us want the death of mankind. I want all people to live in a fruitful life, knowing God and, and like being fruitful and everything else like that they give me in their life. I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm trying to justify the death of men. I'm not. I've just been asked this question so many different times by so many different people, in particular with my audience being so much larger now than I was when I was at, when I was a church pastor. Um, what do you think about this? Because you're a pastor, I'd love to hear what you think about it. So, which leads me to to, to number f- number five, basically our, fi- our fifth and final one. Just JB, read number five. This this is probably the one that we had the biggest discussion about. We had a really hard time finding a fifth one. Right. We and did. <laughs> the the fifth really though, like I mean, I mean, it's hard to decide. Like, is it okay to kill somebody? Right. Like. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And the fifth one ended up being like, um, is it potentially like, um, like total? Was it total recall? Like a preemptive strike yeah, preemptive for the betterment strike. of humanity, right? Like, Yeah, for example, like, I mean... So like, I, what I, if I, we could have prevented Hitler from killing all the Jews? But here, here's the point. We can't go back in time and everything else like that. But for we example, for, for example, so if if all of a sudden we, we, we know there's a leader that is so detrimental to the human race, he's not just killing his own people, he's killing... Uh, our people, he's killing other people, and so on and so forth. Is it that? Is that the right time for preemptive, you know, striking to take out that leader? Whether we send a SEAL Team Six after him, or we tell we send, you know, a, a bomb or, or what have you, and so on and so forth. You know, what do we do at that point? What 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 say you? I'm gonna start with JB, then I'll go to Nick, and I'll give you my final thoughts on that. So JB, what do you think? 
Man, that that dude would have to be doing some really bad stuff, in my opinion. Well, like uh, it, it would have to be a it would have to be a Hitler. Like it would have to be somebody that was doing something that bad. So Hitler killed 11 million Jews. This guy only killed 10 million. Is still worth it? Yeah, I would say it would well, be. Yeah, I'm saying like a, like a, here's what I'm saying. So, to stop another million, so, absolutely. So, so let me just say this, and, and not that I'm not that I'm a pro MAGA guy or anything like that, but Trump killed one of the the most notorious, like assassinating terrorist there ever was. Okay, he, and he just when he first got in office, he's like, "Go kill that guy. That guy's killed so many American troops and everything else, and so on and so forth." And he killed the guy, and he killed many of his own people. I can't remember what the guy's name was Al something. Um, but it was it was a tremendous strike that, that that he did at that point, and everyone went back and said, "Why did he go do this?" and everything else like that. So not everybody, but you know, popular media and what have you, and some people were asking questions about that. But he still took out somebody who was killing multiple amounts of people. Now it just the the, the rank went to his son or went to somebody else, and they just continued the the process right. and what have you. Um, so my 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 question is. You know, in that regard, taking out that guy who was more brutal and vicious than even his son, is that justified? Man, that's hard, man. I mean, I know, right? I, mean, I would say it was. I would say it was. I, I just will. I, I I'll, guess I'll I guess it was because just by nature of the fact that like you're killing that many people. And it was in the hundreds of thousands, by the way. It wasn't in, it wasn't millions, but it was in the hundreds of thousands. But one one is one too many, by the way, particularly unjustly. And to take this guy out for the sake of allowing their own people from a different religious perspective still live and prosper in that land, so those people wouldn't kill them. That's why he that's why he killed that guy. Yeah, you know, man, that's a tough one, man. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what Nick said about that, but that that's a hard one too because it's like. You know, somebody would have to be already doing some pretty bad stuff for it to even be considered. You know what I mean? Correct. Nick, what say you? It's, it's a hard question. Um, for me, it, it may sound like a bit of a broken record um, just because I, I find it, it's one of those where I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of the things that makes me chuckle. Like, well, the way I'm talking, it sounds like Christians shouldn't be involved in anything political at all, which I don't actually believe. Um uh, but I look at how the state acts and how the state, what the state is. And I'm, I, I, I even when I was really, I, I, you know, I, I think 90% of the American public was all for the Iraq war, or at least the invasion of, of Afghanistan back you know, after 9-11. I know I was, I was swept up in it and all that sort of stuff. Um, Cause I remember watching 9-11 live TV, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and all that sort of stuff. And I remember seeing all that and being filled with that sort of, you know, desire for go kill the terrorist. And at the time, I was all on board with it. And now, um, theologically, I just, I, I, I find it difficult to substantiate a sort of preemptive strike on someone. And I also have political issues with that personally, um, just I don't like the idea of the president or, or, or their armed forces having that sort of power. Um, that's mm-hmm. not what our country is really about. It, 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 at least it didn't seem to me politically. Now, of course, I could be wrong. But the idea of a preemptive war, I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. We've been, that's what the United States basically does everywhere. <laughs> we, we do, that's all we do is, is preemptive war on people. We just don't call it that. We call it call it an oops and a click and a bomb explodes, you know, kind of thing. You know, right, we, we right, just don't right, talk right. about that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already, I think the issue is I, I have such a fundamentally um, dim view of the state and mm-hmm. the government as a whole mm-hmm. that I, I simply don't trust them to have our best interests in mind. And that's why maybe a, a big reason, you know, part of my doctrine of sin, how I view, you know, sin and how sin impacts us and all of that. Uh, I'm not a full adherent of Karl Barth, uh, but I do think it was right that the effects of sin go all the way down, if that makes sense. Yes. And when it comes to us as human beings. And I think the state is fundamentally either incompetent at best or malicious at worst, or at worst, and I'm very reluctant to give the state any sort of power to do these sorts of things. Especially one man, even if, or whoever gets elected, you know, the idea of one man having that sort of power already scares me. So, but that's more of a political answer. I don't have a fully or theological answer to that outside of kind of the 
the anti well, anti state sentiment I've already expressed and what I know what I think the New Testament teaches. I, I think that you and Ye agree on that because they, they he says not, not one man should have that that much power. So I, I agree with that. But I, I think the, the hard point is when somebody does have that much power, when someone does, whether they should or not, I mean, you, you, the, the American machine in industry and what it is right now, there's just no stopping it. There isn't there. I mean, you can, you can do it. It's, it's, you can, you can make the, the suggestion and the case that it's the most greatest empire on the face of the earth in the history of the world. You can, although we don't, we didn't conquer as much land as, you know, Alexander the Great and and what have you and so on and so forth. But you can say that we, we pretty much are the greatest empire of the world. And we are fully an empire. There's just no doubt about that. Um, So, but, but here's, here's the, here's the crazy part about why I I agree with you on that. So, well, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird I'm I'm always caught in this I'm I'm caught in this like I'm caught in the, I call it caught in the Jesus trap right so when somebody asks me something yep. super super controversial I'm always like I'm caught in the Jesus trap bro like I I, I, side, oh. I side with Jesus on this so when I die I, I I'm I'm good right so when <laughs> when I die I'm and, and literally that's the best way to live so in in the midst of understanding this in the midst of understanding all the ins and outs of the you know the the, the fifth question we asked um it's it's super complicated bro it's it's super complicated while i still believe that you know there are preemptive strikes that we could do that would save our country and that we may have done that saved our country um you're still killing somebody that's made in the image of god you know what i'm saying like you're still you're still doing that and here here's the well, thing and the, the, oh, yeah go ahead well, well here's the thing do I believe that's even necessary at certain times? Yes, I will say it's necessary sometimes. But is it still tragic? Yes. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I want uh, so so when people wonder if I have a conscience or not, let me just clear it up real quick. The death of Osama bin Laden is still a death in the human race. Do you understand that? While it might while it might have been while it might have been necessary, okay. It's still a death in the human race. It's somebody who was killed but still made in the image of God by people who are made in the image of God that are connected to the United States government that are also our our, our, our own sons and daughters, right? So, like, I I, I still I love those people, and I and by my faith, okay, I'm still called to love my enemies, right? You know, and I, I think that's the dichotomy that we catch ourselves in, Nick, is that you know, we we we're called to love our enemies, but we're still we still got to do things that are necessary for the betterment of all humankind, you know, at that point. So like there's a, there's a point where I, I love my enemies, but I can't let you go on because you're not listening to reason. I can't let you move forward because you're literally hurting so many people. Your, 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 your actual existence. Like if, if, if we ran into Hitler, you know, go back, let's, let's talk about the Bonhoeffer effect, right? Diedrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. you know, bon, Bonhoeffer was part of the, the uh, the the coup to kill Hitler basically, and so Bonhoeffer had if you if you've read any Bonhoeffer you know that he had some 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 problems some issues and problems with that, but he originally came to the point where he's like listen we don't take this guy out he's gonna kill at that time I think it was five million he's gonna kill more Jews you know at the point you know, who are made in the image of God just like we are, and so we don't want that to happen so let's do everything we can to take this guy out so that Hitler does not continue on. You know, and we all become Germany at some, Nazi Germany in particular, at some point. Um, and so that's that's why I think that the, the the give and take on that is I have a little more understanding of the preemptive, even than I do of the death penalty. To be honest with you, because I'm like there sometimes. You remember the whole? I mean, I call it the theology of Batman, right? So do you remember the whole? Remember the whole uh, uh, when, when Christian Bane was playing? Uh, was it Christian Christian Bale? Christian Bale. Christian Bale was playing uh, the whole Batman thing, right? And uh, and Alfred, his lawyer or his uh, his butler, sat down with him and said, "Some men just want to see the world burn, and you can't do anything about that." Well, those men need to be annihilated from the human race. They just want to see the whole world burn because they're going to hurt a lot of people. I think the, and I don't know if I even necessarily disagree with anything that you you outlined. I think right, right. I think something just for the church to remember, and I, and I say this, you know all of us not just here but whoever listens is that we'll have to give an account before god one day 
Christians right. don't escape Absolutely. Justice. Absolutely. We, you know, we all stand before the judgment seat. We all have to give an account of the things we did. Right. And right. it's one of those where I think Jesus is going to be looking at us going, do, were you righteous when I called you to be? Or were mm-hmm. you this? Or, right. or was, who was your king in that moment? Was it the United States or was it me? Or mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You know, who was your preach, king when, preach, preach. when I called you? Yeah. And I think the church, partially by allying herself, and I see this across the board, I see it with progressive Christian churches who have allied themselves with the Democratic Party. I see it with the conservative churches allying themselves with the Republican Party. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sitting here going, you've forgotten who your father is and who your king is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm not prone to tribalism. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm, everybody I'm, I'm is. Flesh yeah. and blood. Everybody is, yeah. But it's one of those where I'm like, the church has consumed so much of the food from Caesar's table that we've forgotten who we are when it comes to this. Ooh, and it's preach, one of those bro, like, we, are, we, we, we don't, we don't live with the fear of God's judgment because we think we've got a, we've got our fire insurance. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're told to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus told us that. Now how that works is difficult. And we're not told, and we're not given instances in scripture where you know the finger is hovering over the bomb, you know the nuclear button, going should I or shouldn't I? We're not given that. We are given principles, and we are given the awareness and certainty that we'll be judged by what we do. And I think the Church of Jesus Christ needs to look fully in the mirror and go, how much allyship do I have with Caesar versus my King? And I think if we did that, it's not that we would have a hundred percent certainty in every instance, but that every instance that comes up, we have assurance that we're at least asking the right questions about these things and not just going, yeah, bomb the terrorists or just love them, you know, give them flowers and puppies and they'll, they'll stop hating us. It's like, that's not how and the, the real world is complex. Right. And scripture gives us the principles to deal with a complex world, but scripture doesn't give us the only answer. Scripture gives us Jesus Christ. And the problem right. is how we figure out, you know, what Jesus commands of us. And that's why we have to ask these sorts of questions. That's why we have to wrestle with them. And why the church at the end of the day needs to be gracious to the sense when it comes to these sorts of questions. It's too easy to go, oh, Brad, what a, what a, ew, what a, what a maga maga, herpa derpa kind of guy. You know, it's like, no, it's like, that's not how we should treat each other. We go, no, I recognize the nuance of your position. I don't know if I go there, but we're asking the right questions together. And that's, I think, what the church needs to be doing. And when we don't do that, we have fallen into bed with, with, the, with the beast. We've fallen into bed with Caesar, and that's a whole different problem that I think the church is unaware of. And that should scare us a lot more. Man, that's true, bro. That's like uh, that's a scary thought to think about, like, who are we actually following in, in, the, in, the, in the things, in the actions that we take in, in everyday life, bro. Like, that's even something I've been coming about. Did you hear our last podcast that, I, uh, that we just had about spiritual warfare? Dude, I listen to everything y'all put out. Like, don't don't tell me and play with me like that. I listen to everything. Man, like the spiritual warfare that's going on in, in the world right now is is so crazy that like that. And that's what kind of made us think about this is like, um, you know, just to think about all the people that are are doing the wrong kind of uh, of work. You know, they're they're doing the devil's work. You know, versus God's work. Well, and it's like you can see this, right? You can see it with how, for example, the left views our children and our bodies, that we are all sorts of ways of non-sacred. And then you look at how the, the right views people as well. And, and you look at it, we have such a fundamentally um, perverse view of who we are as image bearers of God, that we think all of this is okay, that everything that happens is okay. And I'm sitting here going like, Jesus is king over everything that we do. And we treat him like he's the butler, you know. And I, I, think I agree, problem dude. One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. I don't know. I, I just I, I looked at all that. And I'm just like, man. I, I look at all, and at the end of the day, maybe it's it, it's that the church doesn't even know what questions she should be asking when it comes to these sorts of things. And maybe the church lives in <laughs> sort of privileged life, like Brad, you and I know. Uh, when you've actually had to counsel someone going through PTSD, you know, or or, or abuse that the real world is revealed for what it really is. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Jesus is the light in the midst of all that darkness. 
Yeah, and that's why we're looking forward to him coming back and setting everything right, that's for sure. So, Well, guys, this has been an, an absolutely interesting conversation with Pastor Nick in California. So do me a favor. If you have any questions, comments, or insults, go ahead and email us at cutlightsmokepodcast, all one word, cutlightsmokepodcast at gmail.com. And this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much, Pastor Nick, for uh, being here with us. Nick, we, we love you to death, bro. Thank you so much for picking up the phone and talking to us a little, about, a little bit about this. And if you guys want to, send us an email and let us know what you think about this topic because it's, it's a severe topic. And, Nick, thank you for being on today. Take care, y'all. No, you want to say goodbye? Bye. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, Nugs. Love you, Nugs. Take it easy, guys. And peace. peace.